We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the Batmobile. May the force be with you. Who is that mask? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and for the next hour, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and exciting discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum. First, some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Marvel has contracted with auction house The Prop Store for the sale of authentic props, costumes, and other items from the Netflix shows Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. The auction features over 750 pieces and will be held in August. Memorabilia items include Matt Murdock's red Daredevil costume and Daredevil aluminum baton, Pop swear jar, Misty Knight's bionic arm, and Colleen Wing's katana. Check out the link on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page for more information. Cultural icon William Shatner celebrated his 88th birthday on March 22nd. The Canadian-born actor, writer, producer, director is best known for his portrayal of USS Enterprise Captain James T. Kirk on Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. Join us in wishing a very happy birthday to the Shat. Detective Comics issue number 1000 hit comics retailers earlier this week. The 96-page anniversary special is in conjunction with the 80th anniversary of Batman's first appearance and features art by Neil Adams, Greg Capullo, Alvaro Martinez, Steve Epting, Jim Lee, and Doug Mankey, among various others. Among the writers contributing to the epic are Denny O'Neill, Jeff Johns, Scott Snyder, Christopher Priest, Kevin Smith, and Brian Michael Bendis. DC Comics promises the issue takes readers on a journey through Batman's past, present, and future with a sensational epilogue introducing a new character called the Arkham Knight. The issue is available now at your local comic shop. New trailers dropped this week for the upcoming feature film Godzilla, King of Monsters, as well as season two of the sci-fi television series Krypton. The Godzilla trailer has some of the best looks yet at Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Krypton is the Superman prequel series set on the hero's doomed homeworld that debuted on the Sci-Fi Channel last March. No word yet on the premiere date for season two. Godzilla, King of Monsters opens in theaters nationwide on May 31st. You can see both on the aforementioned Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. We were saddened to learn of the passing of Shane Rimmer. If you're a fan of 60s and 70s movies and television, you surely saw the actor in a supporting or background role. He was best known as having voiced marionette character Scott Tracy in Jerry Anderson's Thunderbirds. Rimmer also appeared in such movies as The Spy Who Loved Me, Rollerball, Superman 2, and Batman Begins. His television credits include Doctor Who, UFO, and Space 1999. He was 89. On today's show, we're talking about the new movie from DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers opening in theaters on April 5th. Shazam! Starring Zachary Levi, Jack Dylan Grazer, Asher Angel, and Mark Strong. But first, here is the official Fantastic Forum review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. There's a lot to the storied history of the original Captain Marvel. The character's first appearance was Winter of 1939 in Wiz Comics No. 2. Created by C.C. Beck and Bill Parker for Fawcett Comics, the Big Red Cheese, as he was sometimes called, 
was the best-selling comic superhero during the mid-1940s, with a regular circulation of about a million and a half copies per issue. He was also the first comic book superhero to be adapted into a movie. That was back in 1941. Regrettably, Captain Marvel came to an ignoble end, not laid low in battle by a dastardly supervillain, but by the decision of a judge. DC Comics sued for infringement of copyright, claiming Captain Marvel too closely resembled a character of theirs called Superman. In a further bit of irony, DC would ultimately purchase the rights to Captain Marvel decades later. Although that brings us to today, and lucky for DC, they did acquire those rights. Because after starting the genre of big-budget Hollywood superhero films in 1978 with Superman the movie, the brand has fallen on hard times. Overtaken by Marvel Studios, who seemingly can do no wrong, the DC movies have practically been an afterthought for fans. Of course, there have been some notable exceptions with Batman, and more recently Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Well, Shazam continues the ascent of DC and Warner Brothers superhero motion pictures. It is a lighthearted, fun, and funny movie that simultaneously celebrates and pokes fun at the genre while extolling the virtues of true heroes. The film follows Billy Batson, a teen who was abandoned by his mother as a little boy. Batson never forgot his mom and is constantly searching for her, and he runs away from one foster home after another in his ongoing effort to locate her. He finally lands in a group home run by Victor and Rosa Vasquez, two former foster children dedicated to providing a loving and nurturing environment for a gaggle of eclectic young people. Billy is visited by Providence when he is spirited to the Rock of Eternity by a wizard who has been searching for a successor. The personifications of the seven deadly sins have been loosed on mankind, and the wizard seeks a champion to oppose them. Billy has but to speak the name of the wizard to be endowed with the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. The wizard is called Shazam, and speaking his name aloud, transforms Billy into an adult Captain Marvel. With the help of his foster brother, Freddy, Billy must learn to control his powers before the villainous Dr. Savannah allows the sins to destroy the world. Asher Angel, a youngster with numerous television credits, gives a credible performance as Billy. But the heavy lifting here is done by Zachary Levi as the adult hero version of Billy. Levi turns in a rendition somewhat reminiscent of Tom Hanks' big. Jack Dylan Grazer, who you may remember from It, plays Freddy. He is a well-regarded young actor and turns in an outstanding performance in the supporting role. Veteran actor Mark Strong is Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. Strong was a great choice for this role, and he takes what could easily have been an archetypical super baddie and creates a believable and occasionally even sympathetic character. The rest of the cast is rounded out by Marta Milans and Cooper Andrews as the foster parents, and Grace Fulton, Faith Herman, Jovan Armand, and Ian Chin as the other foster kids. Jamon Honshu plays the wizard Shazam in what practically amounts to a cameo. You'll also see Megan Good, Michelle Borth, Adam Brody, Ross Butler, and DJ Cortrona. Worthy of note is that much of what you'll see is based on DC's New 52 version of Captain Marvel and the Marvel family, but fans of the original comic stories will recognize some cherry-picked material here and there. Director David F. Sandberg has a lot of fun with this movie. Henry Gaden wrote the screenplay from a story co-authored by him and Goosebumps writer Darren Lemke, and they take frequent opportunity to remind viewers that this is the world that includes Justice Leaguers which I think is a plus, but some might see it as a tease, since those characters aren't the stars of this movie. Ultimately, they serve as examples and inspiration for Billy. And I think that is a fundamental element that has been missing from movies featuring DC Comics characters. DC superheroes have traditionally been, as opposed to the more grounded and, dare I say, fallible Marvel characters, larger-than-life heroes who are characters to which readers can aspire. There is also a certain freshness to this movie, seen through the eyes of an adolescent grappling with the transition to adulthood and all that entails, but with an optimism born of youth and inexperience. We're watching as Billy makes the choices that will determine whether or not he becomes a hero, and it is an enjoyable journey.
An exceptional element is the musical score composed by Benjamin Walfish that accentuates the visuals. With a total runtime of 2 hours and 12 minutes, it goes by pretty quick. It drags in parts, but the pacing overall is good. I thought it was a little slow to start. Kids will enjoy it, and although I'm loath to characterize it as a movie for kids, it kind of is. But that's mainly due to the preponderance of youngsters in principal and supporting roles. There are plenty of characters with which a young audience can identify. It's rated PG-13 for action-adventure fantasy. Absent is any nudity or sexual situations, and questionable language is kept to a minimum. A fine, fun comic book adaptation of a classic character and a good time at the movies. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the Fantastic Forum official review of Shazam! which opens in theaters on April 5th. All right, so, um, of course, you're listening to WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, and this is Fantastic Forum. I'm joined for this discussion this afternoon by uh, my regular panelists, Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and the redoubtable Julian Lytle. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey. Hi, thank you. How long have you been waiting to use that sound effect? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I've been using it uh, actually with some frequency uh, on on the morning show. Every time I mention Shazam, <laughs> have just been having a blast with that. All right, so but we've we've all seen the movie, and I, I guess first I, I want to ask how many of you guys are fans of the original Captain Marvel. Oh, I am. Don't everybody talk a lot. I'm definitely a fan of the original. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing I ever stole as a child and ever was uh, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Came home from the toy store with him in my hand. Oh, good gracious. Ooh. My mom was like, so what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> was that one of those Mego uh, action figures? Uh, I was too young to know. I just knew it was Captain Marvel. Okay. I were his clothes mm-hmm. cloth or were they painted on him? They were painted on him. Oh. Plastic. Oh, but okay. somewhat articulated. I'm not familiar with that particular action figure. I had to take him figure. back to Ooh. Toys R Us. Well, I was six, so mm-hmm. this was a very long time ago. But I had to take him back, and uh, I kissed him goodbye. Ooh. Mm. Oh, All right. There you go. So, so uh, yeah, well, you know, you got, hey, yeah, you know, are you guys all heard what I had to say about it. Uh, now, I one of the things that I just want to mention getting into this is uh, there is some irony here for me that you've got the original Captain Marvel coming out in a movie <laughs> only a few weeks after uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel uh, comes out in a movie. And I actually think this one's going to do pretty well. But I, I, I the reason, so. well, but the reason I have mixed feelings about it is because this is a, I, I found uh, Shazam to be a much more. I know I should be transformed into like the uh, uh, world's mightiest uh, radio show host. No, um, I, I found this movie to be. Uh, for many very obvious reasons, a much more traditional superhero movie than uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel. You know, in terms of uh, number one, uh, the who you see playing these roles. You know, and I, I automatically I think, well, there are a number of people who are going to embrace these characters because all your lead characters are white males. <laughs> you know, so it's like, hey, this is what we're accustomed to seeing. And uh, you know, and so for that reason, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I don't have any diversity type issues, but it's just simply, wow, am I embracing this movie more so? I mean, because because quite frankly, I thought it was a better movie than Captain Marvel. And I'm wondering if I might be somewhat biased based on the conditioning uh, that I have been subjected to here in the United States for my entire life. I don't know, man. I mean, you've got, yeah, the, the villain and, and the hero are two white dudes, so mm-hmm. there's that. But Yeah, the alter a, ego is a white dude. The supporting uh, co-star is a white dude. He's also disabled, though, and the actor is well, actually disabled. Then you've mm. got uh, Shazam, who you guys should know that Shazam is the wizard. Not the I'm sorry. That is not going to happen every time you say that name. (laughs) I I am now She-Ra. So, (laughs) 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 Uh, 
Um, but um, so you've got a very multi-culty cast here, despite what you name. So I have to give them some credit for that. I mean, Jamin Hanzu is the wizard whose name shall not be named, but not <laughs> that one that you're thinking of. So um, mm. there's some there's some things here, and I think it's not traditional because of the fact that it relays it relies on Captain Marvel's history of being a boy transformed into a hero. So you know it's almost like this fantasy of a boy being able to be Superman whenever he'd like, and that's a pretty cool thing that we haven't gotten a lot of yet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and uh, warning: there could be spoilers. Uh, you you actually have uh, a number of that because we get to see the Marvel family. And, <gasps> why would you, you know, do that? I said there would be spoilers. <laughs> but why would you? You like the only person who spoiled that, right? Yeah. Why would <laughs> you do that? No reviews. Everybody, <laughs> no everybody enjoy that. Let's pretend like you didn't say it. Well, <laughs> but, but you know I, that was in response to what you were talking about as far as. This boy fantasizing about being well, you know, I bet it, it's noteworthy because I hadn't thought about that. It's noteworthy that wow, okay, we get to see a little bit of that. You want to tell you know, anybody something about Santa Claus? <laughs> you want to ruin that? Oh, oh, you mean uh, the the fact that uh, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is a different conversation. You don't open up all the way. Yes. You ain't gonna disrespect the greatest Christmas movie of all time, right? Um, I'm here to Followed up by Lethal Weapon out. One. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. You all. I'm hearing People a gripping can coming out. Confusing a movie set at Christmas time with a Christmas movie. But I digress. So, <laughs> no, I, I think this film does have some important things to say about, uh, to a degree, multiculturalism. Uh, certainly about... Um, what do you call it? Uh, fostering. Yeah, the nature know? of I family. Mean, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and what causes all that to what makes a a real family so uh, yeah you know it's got it's got it's it's elements certainly yeah and Mm -hmm. I did I have to say I quite enjoyed it and I mean I've said it before but I'll it bears repeating as much as I love Marvel I am a DC girl Um, I've always been a DC girl so it's really nice to see DC starting to find their way with their movies starting to find a DC style as opposed to emulating a Marvel style. You know, um, Julian said it before, and Drew made a mention of it too, DC has a really great history of having, like, this really whimsical stuff happening with really deep, dark roots beneath it. And we're finally getting to see some of that play in a DC film, and I'm really excited to see what Walter Hamada is going to do to keep transforming the worlds of DC, formerly the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Julian. Oh yeah. It's, um, I guess for me, you know, I like the movie. Uh, to piggyback on what you were saying, I don't know if it's anything about conditioning. I just think it's a better movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the themes and the stakes are a little bit richer. Yeah. Um, then uh, who is Carol Danvers? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we like, still uh, don't know. <laughs> uh, that joint makes some. That makes some interesting decisions in terms of story. Mm-hmm. And it feels kind of bland as the setup. So you, when you see a, another movie, you get to understand why she's there. Why this movie is just Shazam. Like, you could literally watch this, and if they never actually made it Shazam 2, and Shazam just popped up in, like, other movies, you'd be straight. Mm-hmm. Like, you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of movies are that successful. They do kind of pull into, like, stuff that you like from the past. You call it a kid's movie. It is kind of a kid's movie in terms of, like, the way kid's movies used to be made. Like in the late '80s and early '90s, hmm. people people like to use big a lot, but it's it's structured like big. Like you can be an adult and you like your big is fire. So it has that type of tone, which is why they let the um, the kid character say the s word like three four times in the movie. Which as, I found interesting, as kids do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Drew. Um, let's see. Well, I took my wife and my daughter to go see it and they both really liked it my daughter was a little bit um dismayed or scared by the parts that involve this that the seven deadly sins mm. because they're mm-hmm. pretty they're pretty monsters kind of scary yes kind of mm-hmm. scary so i mean take that take that to heart you know if you're going to take your small children to go hmm. you know be aware that there are some scenes that may be a little bit scary but um overall um if you go back to the the comic book 
story that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did in the backups of Justice League back in 2012 you really see this is that story. Oh, the only it's thing a really that, great Gary Frank art, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing great stuff. stuff yeah. It's amazing stuff. And the only real major change they made was they took Black Adam out of it. Because they Black alluded. Adam was... They, they, they refer to him, but he's not a, he's not the central villain in all this where he is in the, in the original comic book story. And that's probably because they wanted to make that a whole separate thing. So they, you know, they move some things around, but you still get uh, Dr. Savannah and... You know the seven deadly sins mm. and the wizard. Mr. Mind was in there too. Well, yeah, you get a little bit of a there's a little worm <laughs> you in there. See, Cherie, you see him in the glass. You're just the, a whole big old bag of spoilers. <laughs> this all so. good. Yeah, he did a post credit scene. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, not, not not even post credits. You see I, him I wasn't in the go there now. Than that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you see him. I think in the beginning mm. he's just some random worm. He's in the glass. glass. He's in a glass case. True, <laughs> but to the average viewer, a talking worm might—you might—you could miss it if you're not paying attention. If right. yeah, if you if you know mm-hmm. who if you know who the characters are, you'll, you'll know who he is. Yeah, right. It was a yeah. it was a great Easter egg though. Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, but you know that said, I think that um, the the Billy Batson in this was a nicer kid than the Billy Batson in the Jeff Johns Gary Frank story. I think. I think that the kid in hmm. the original... That doesn't say very much. <laughs> in the, the kid in the original comic books, I think it was a little more hard-edged. Um, Billy in this is a little bit more wounded, a little more hurt, and a little bit more desperate to to do something in, in the course of this. And he kind of needs that family, a little bit more than the comic book version of Billy did. Okay, when you were saying... Because I, I, I took, I mean... Because he wasn't particularly nice in the movie. I mean, he oh, was. He's, 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 a flawed, he's a flawed character. He's jaded. It, yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah. Well, you know, best, and and yeah. Yeah, but he's he's kind of willing to be a thief. <laughs> and you, you, uh, kind of. You listen. I guess what yeah. Drew, Drew was alluding to is the mm. fact that the new Fifty Two version of Billy Batson is a great departure from all previous versions of Billy Batson. That being said, the movie version mm. is a lot nicer of a child uh, than that. Than yeah. what's okay, in those yeah. pages. Yeah. Mm. This is a kid who's like, I lost my mom. I had to grow up in these streets. I got to try to figure out how to find my mom versus like, he's irredeemable at times in that comic book. Young yeah. Thug, mm. not yeah. the rapper. Hey, <laughs> <A>, Young Thug. <laughs> yeah, I wish he was Young Thug, the rapper. <laughs> so, so there you go. So, exactly. Thank you. Can I go back to something? Oh, by all means. You know, one of the things that I thought was because I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the only drawbacks I had was going back to what Drew said about the seven deadly sins, or they call them something different here. No, they're the, they're the sins in the they movie. They call them yeah. the sins in the movie. Versus the evils of man. Oh, in the yeah. book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I found that the character design on the seven deadly sins was a missed opportunity. They just look like a bunch of random demons. Just like mm, yeah. that, yeah. you can't even tell which one is which, except for gluttony, because giant. Yeah, he's belly. fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. giant mouth. Yeah, <laughs> and giant mouth. But other than that, they're just a, a, a bunch of run-of-the-mill demons. I wish they had had more fun with them, as far as really digging into. First of all, that this is a movie through the eyes of what, like a thirteen-year-old boy. Fifteen. Fifteen-year-old mm. boy. I'm bad at ages. You still a kid. Yeah, a kid, though, yeah. you know, and had some more fun with that so that we see a Seven Deadly Sins that's really interesting and entertaining and not just a bunch of demon watchdogs. And and I think that's a great point, too, because, I mean, some of these sins could have been really more enticing or more mm-hmm. seducing or more, you know, having more potential to corrupt Billy or get at him if, if Pride, for instance, had been really beautiful. Yeah, you know? more like vices. Yeah. Yeah. If, they, if they'd been in some way the seductive or corruptive force, but they were just CGI demons. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's an interesting point you make, Drew, and um, Shireen also, because I, certainly there was an opportunity lost uh, by the relatively simplistic design of the Deadly Sins. But the one thing that I want to point out is that it wouldn't have... I mean, I don't think that there was an opportunity... Uh, and, and you could have played it up, but I don't really think there was an opportunity story-wise for Billy to have been uh, tempted or enticed. But I would have liked to have seen The Sins and Dr. Savannah a little bit more, you know, in terms of their grip on him and a little bit more about that relationship. You know, Mark Strong is a really good actor, 
and I liked what he did. Yeah. I mean, I, I found, mm-hmm. I he mean, because, because yeah. this, this could have been a really nothing part mm-hmm. for somebody. Yeah. And, and he made it feel as if it was kind of real. But they could have done some, they could have made him a little more sympathetic, I think, if his interaction with the sins had been a little bit different, you know? Yeah, and it was just a visual thing, right? They didn't need to talk. They just needed to be, you know, one of them needed to be constantly whispering. You know, mm. what it, like they they needed to to kind of embody those sins mm-hmm. in a very visual way. And if you just see one of them whispering and the other ones whispering at different times, one of them bumping him with the shoulder, you know, like wrath is like, yeah, come on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. then we would have felt them more rather than it relied very much on what our knowledge of what the seven deadly sins are. Looking at this, really looking at this in retrospect, the, mm-hmm. the funniest thing that strikes me in, in hearing this and talking about it and thinking about it now is like, they could very easily have taken Jeff John's own Green Lantern stuff and applied the mm. the emotional spectrum colors mm. to the seven deadly sins That'd have been and cool. and had a palette of colors for them that would have reinforced who they were and what they were and all that. That's, you know, that red, would red have been really and, creative. Yeah, too. yeah. and a great <laughs> Easter egg. I'm a little surprised that you know Jeff didn't think of that. So, well, mm. he got kind of. He's a little busy. Nah, he's saving all that for that Green Lantern movie. He's I writing. can't wait for the core movie. You know, because I it's, always it's thought be good, it should but be I mean, a core but, movie. But you can still tie things together a little bit. So. With the universe. We're breaking off that. We're breaking. Worlds of DC, we're breaking off that. You can't beat You can't beat the guys across the street. They own game. They winning. You didn't You didn't took too many losses in the finals like LeBron. <laughs> but you can. But you can do. I think what Drew is saying is a great thing because if the emotional spectrum has a color palette across the DC universe, it begins to, to be something that we recognize and have yeah, an cohesiveness. immediate reaction yeah. to viscerally, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a great idea. Write some movies. Well, and, and <laughs> it makes that whole emotional spectrum thing a, a little more workable. I mean, because I, I got to tell you, if I'd have been in the story conference with that, I'd have been like, all right, green rings, all right, fine. Green rings and yellow rings, fine. But green rings, yellow rings, red rings, blue rings, all right, nah, that's not creative. Dump that. We got to do something else. The only cool thing to come out of that emotional spectrum stuff, I thought, was how a blue lantern and a green lantern in close proximity, the green lantern has his ring supercharged because hope fuels will. That was nasty. I was yeah. like, oh, damn. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, you know, and, and it, it again, I felt like they were pandering to me even with that. But really? that's yeah, that's good stuff. They had to explain the star sapphire. Yeah. Mm. Along with the yellow ring, yeah. <laughs> so like, they yeah. had to they had to finish it because you got half of the emotions and then you got like what else? Nah, that's an entirely different conversation. Uh, but, that's true. That's so, true. But uh, anyway, you know. anyway. <laughs> well, and the one thing that I want to point out because we we sort of alluded to it uh, just through this conversation in terms of DC because I mean let's face it, DC has a problem. They and and Shireen, you were talking about it in your initial remarks because. They are playing catch-up to Marvel, and there's no reason they should. And frankly, some of those movies, I mean, I while I was entertained, excuse me, I, I, while I did not hate Batman versus Superman, it, it wasn't, my favorite part of that was Wonder Woman. And they could have <laughs> had a lot more Wonder Woman in that movie, mm-hmm. and I think that there was uh, some fundamental uh, issues in terms of Zack Snyder's characterizations of everybody in that movie because I didn't really recognize a lot of these characters that I thought I knew. Did you, know? you hear what he said this week? Oh yes, yes. Oh and we can we can come back to that in the second half of the show. But uh, my my where I was going with this is DC's characters, especially since they started this whole big budget Hollywood movie comic book adaptation thing with Superman the movie back in 1978. And, you know, as somebody who was there and, you know, waiting at the time and really excited, I felt like DC squandered a wonderful opportunity there to have done some world building back in the late 70s, early 80s. They could have done exactly what Marvel has done. But would it have worked back then? Mm -hmm. I don't know that it would have worked, and I'll tell you why. I um I go back to movies like Unbreakable, mm-hmm. where the audience just flat out didn't get it. Movies like Hancock, where again they didn't get it because they didn't have the language. 
of superhero films, the lexicon of that. It wasn't until Blade, of all things, really kind of, and a little bit The Crow, but, but, but especially Blade, kind of broke that whole thing down and that people were finally ready to understand the world of superheroes. That's what I believe. So uh -huh. I don't know that it could have happened back then. It would have been nice, though. Uh -huh. Well, I think you've got something there. And uh, I absolutely want to come back to that. Uh, but we have reached the point in the show where uh, we need to take a break. So time for me to remind everybody that WERA is a community radio station. And we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM to find out more about community radio, how you can be a part of it, how you can support it, because it's your friends, it's your neighbors who are creating the hyper-local content for the Arlington, Virginia community. In any event, we are going to step aside momentarily while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters and our sponsors. We're also going to take an opportunity to promote some of the other fine WERA shows that are coming up later tonight on 96.7 FM. But we'll be back right after that with more Fantastic Forum. Don't go away. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM Radio Arlington. We are Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and the redoubtable Julian Lytle. We are talking about the latest, the greatest movie from DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers. It's called Shazam, and it opens on April 5th, and we're talking about it, even though it hasn't opened yet. We've all seen it, and we think it's a pretty good movie. So. You know, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say I think this is the best one they've had since Wonder Woman, and, and may even be better than that. You know, but they've had a pretty good string since Wonder Woman because you've had Wonder Woman, you've had Aquaman, and Aquaman was just out on DVD last week. Yeah, this week. And I ran out to get it, and I watched it again, and I liked it <laughs> again. I was I mean, like, boy, Aquaman, I like this movie. Uh, Aquaman's, you know? a, Aquaman's a very pretty movie, but I don't think mm. it's a better movie than Captain. That's oh, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was. It's not. It's definitely not a better movie. No, I mean, but it's. I, but I it's, think it's a better movie. Really? You, you think Aquaman's a better movie? Yeah. I watched it a week before, so yeah, like it's really? fresh. Like I think it's a better movie. You know, I, see, I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm. I'm I don't even know what I was going to say down, but yeah, I like it better. But you, I noticed that you left out Justice League, though. Well, you did. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's right. Justice oh. League did come out in after between, Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, it sure did. It's all know? right that you forgot it. Yeah, because I, I think what happened with Justice League is when mm -hmm. we saw it, we were so happy that it didn't have that Snyder stink on it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it had a so little it, Snyder but, stink but, on but, it. It was more like a, a, a Snyder odor. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the full. Yes, stink. it wasn't the stench. Yeah, and so I think we were just so. It was the fertilizer, not the you know. Yes, <laughs> byproduct. We, not the cow patty. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think we were just excited to see Superman smile mm -hmm. and Batman admit that it's hard and not run around killing people like crazy. And so yeah. I think that made the initial viewing of Justice League a little bit better than it was on hindsight. With Aquaman, I thought it was a really fun movie, but I thought they threw too many 1950s action-adventure tropes at it. It was like, you know, it was like... I, I kind of felt like in, in Aquaman, every time there's a quiet moment and two characters are about to have a serious conversation, something blows up. Something blows up. No, that's the truth. Something, something blows, blows up. Blow up. And, and they have to start running again. It's like, But it was okay. every action not really. trope throw. Yeah, you <laughs> not, go back not and look. Really. Yeah. No, no, let me tell you something. Because I, I was just thinking about one of my favorite moments in Aquaman, and it's when he finds his mother. Yes. And that's a quiet moment. It's not that stuff blows up, but he's got to go... And do the thing at that point. So, okay. but it, and but it could have continued to be like a quiet. But let me tell you something. I dropped a little tear in my eye. I was like, oh, it's his mom. 
Bob. If Bob is alive. You know, I was, I was so, let me tell you something. You know, Jason Momoa is like secret sauce, right? <laughs> he's going to make a lot of things just really tasty. Oh, he's and, and, I, he's and, and Aquaman is a fun movie. It's really, but I felt like, you know, I was like, what is it? How many leagues under the sea is it? 20,000. It was 20,000 leagues under the sea. It was action adventures like Indiana Jones. It was all of the 1950s action adventures type <laughs> stories all yeah. thrown into one. I was like, maybe y'all just do one per film? It was, it was Aquaman. It, well, it's, it was Aquaman it's, it's, it's plus. A of, it's, it's a lot of things, and it was it was a fun movie. It was a fun. Movie. It's fun. It's fun movie. As far as the best movie I've seen lately, I think Shazam takes it. I enjoyed Shazam more than Aquaman, and I think because it was more cohesive, um, and I think that they didn't rely on secret sauce as much. Um, Although I gotta say, Zachary Levy and Asher Angel do a great job of playing one person. Yeah, they, they do. do. It's, and and, and that's also in the writing because they were really smart in making the dialogue not change. Yeah. From Billy to to Captain Marvel, yeah. they, well, you know. Then Zachary Levi is a great actor. Yeah, he's a terrific actor. Yeah, you know, really I mean, he I think he's, did I think the he's heavy lifting in this terrific. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome for not getting robbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. cute. And well, then they and then they and then they have their moment outside where they you know get their reward and then <laughs> which we're not going to spoil. <laughs> and I mean that was me, right? It's it, it's yeah. there's a, there's so much that you can relate to in this film. But also I think that for for me for Aquaman, my, one of my problems may be hidden. I'll just say mm -hmm. this as a sidebar because mm -hmm. I do not enjoy Amber Heard, and so I think maybe that. Soured things yeah, a little yeah. bit for me. You don't like her is going to affect her. To me, yeah, yeah. The theme of like to be to be king to be a hero, you have to learn how to be merciful. Mm -hmm. Is a very strong theme. It was good. And it's, it's apparent in that movie. It's a beautiful. Th it's beautifully that was, that was acted heavy. in that movie. That was heavy. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, you know what I'm that was up. another yes, one of my favorite moments wrong. in the movie. He was yeah. like, that was great. I, I, he's, I made an enemy. And yes. I didn't have to. And I didn't have to. That, <laughs> yeah. was, really like, that was beautiful. But also, yeah. kudos to um, Yahya um, um, Abdul-Mateen yes. playing Manta. Mm -hmm. Man, I mean, all of these years we've been dreaming about Manta since he first took the helmet off and we realized the black was literal. And <laughs> well, it is DC. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you got black in front of your it, name in DC, you black. <laughs> it, 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 I'm, I'm surprised it's not Black Vixen. But anyway. <laughs> hey, if you looked at her Justice League ID card. <laughs> Maybe that's what it says on there. It's a B in front Just of her name. Just fixing. You ain't gonna get changed to a white person though. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is true, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was, I mean, we've been waiting for Manta since that helmet came off and, and he did an incredible job. There's some beautiful moments in Aquaman and I agree with you that I messed up. I could have done this differently, I thought was amazing. Yeah. I don't know that I can, I mean, certainly uh, they've been on a roll, you know, I mean, because Steadily. there were some, yeah, and, and there were as much as, and I'm not giving them a pass exactly, but, you know, you got to make some excuses for a Green Lantern if you're going to try and talk it up, you know, I mean, <laughs> same thing with a, you know, Batman versus Superman mm -hmm. and Wonder Woman. Aquaman, Shazam, you'd have to make no excuses for any of those movies. Ulysses, I mean, it's, it's okay just to like, like the hmm? movies, man. Don't yeah. let these people online try to try to tear you down. Don't let these Rotten Tomatoes boys, people out here. Come on. He's just saying, like, I have to make excuses. No, you don't. No, he well, didn't excuse make for excuses how bad for they are. It's not the movie. No, I mean, I, I, I liked all of them, That's you know. But in terms, of, I mean, if you're gonna, because because well, wait, well, because you, mm, not all of my movies are good, well, yeah, but you're, no, well, all yeah, all but you're, you're a critic, and so you, I mean, and and one of the things that I have had to learn is to separate my personal feelings from my analysis and evaluation of different. Like particularly movies and mm -hmm. all sorts of different works of art. So here's the thing. I have observed that usually when somebody says, oh, that was a really good movie, what they mean is they liked it. I liked it. Okay? Yeah. And I've seen, there are all kinds of stuff where, I, now me, I'm like, oh, I liked such and such. Mm -hmm. It could totally suck. Yeah. And I knew it sucked, but I liked it anyway. Yeah. I mean, and if somebody, had, well, but was it any good? No, it was horrible. It was <laughs> it was but I, I liked it. You know, yeah. <laughs> for, for whatever reason. For yeah. whatever reason. And here's the thing. So, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and now Shazam. I really liked them. 
But those were all really good movies on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, Green Lantern, Batman versus Superman, to a lesser degree, Justice League. I liked them. They weren't they all entirely great movies. Well, you know? I can I mean, say like, I hated them, and they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, you know, and and the thing is, and this is um, part of what I was uh, trying to get to in the in the first part of the uh, the show. It, DC's got some great properties. There's a reason that these things have. Been, I mean, shoot. In fact, today, today is the 80th anniversary of the publication of Detective Comics number 27. Okay, yeah. first, in case for any of y'all listening, first appearance of Batman. All right, Batman's 80th anniversary. There's a reason this character has been popular for 80 years. Mm-hmm. And it ain't the suit, it ain't the ears. You know, there's something that touches <laughs> an audience about this character, you know, that, that draws you in, that you're like, wow. And a bunch of these characters, and some of them, I was telling somebody, you know, because, yeah, all right, some of them are archetypes. Uh, uh, many of them, they don't have the flaws of the Marvel characters. You know, they're, they're not, I mean, they're, these, these are giants, these are the characters that you aspire to being, that inspire you, you know? I mean, now some Marvel characters do that, but, you know, then other ones, it's like, hey, they're just trying to make it and to get by, and you identify with them rather than aspire to being them. If, if you think about it, I mean, Batman is kind of the er-Marvel character because he's created out of tragedy. Superman is not. He's created out of, he just comes down here. His, his home planet blew up, but he never knew his home planet. He was adopted and raised by a loving family, and he decided to use his powers for good. Batman is created out of tragedy, which is a pretty common Marvel trope. You know, Spider-Man and all these other people have a, a, a defining tragedy in their lives that, that goes on to propel them to hero them. Yeah, and, and I've heard that said in the same way that people say Captain America is sort of like, a DC character, yeah. you know, and and in certain respects, yeah. But you know, you've also got—I mean, you can put Batman up there on the pedestal too, because despite this tragedy that he suffered, uh, that was his defining moment. Um, you know, he he still is a character, and despite the fact, because Batman's a sick guy. I mean, let's face it—you know, the whole holy mission thing and all that. But yet, he is somebody who. Uh, has certain beliefs. He has a code by which he functions. Uh, he does not deviate from that code. He is extremely thorough. I mean, this guy has got contingency plans for his contingency plans. And he's on top of everything. He's somebody who you can also aspire to want to be. Yeah. He raises you know? kids. Yeah, yeah that, that too. He's the best yeah. father, even though he's the worst <laughs> father. He's the best father. It's really weird. I, I think I think I like, really I, like I, I have to admit, I like Batman best when he is the guy in Gotham City running down weird criminals. I don't like Batman as much when he is prepared for alien invasions <laughs> and rogue gods running loose around the world and how am I going to stop Superman and an army of Kryptonians? But he, like, can, but he can do all of that stuff because uh, he's Batman. Look, I, I didn't want to digress uh, on Batman. It's just simply that it's Batman's 80th anniversary. And, you know, and it's Detective, all right. Detective 1000 mm. out this week is a really nice book. Uh, that's what I've heard. I'm going to have to pick that up. I, I haven't made it by. But my point was that DC should be head and shoulders above where Marvel is. And, you know, I realized that the Marvel characters, uh, well, number one, They've got Kevin Feige, who understands who these characters are. He lets these characters be them in their movies. Okay, now Shireen, yeah, you, also, yeah. mm-hmm. also to to your point, DC has three of the most recognizable characters in the world, and I think the only character that Marvel had before all of this that you could put up there with them was Spider Man, mm-hmm. and yet you know they still kind of came up short. But to your point is that one thing that I always say is that. Marvel matches the director to the character. They fi- they have a character, they find a director that makes sense with that character. DC goes and finds a director and then changes the character to match the director. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's no cohesion and you don't feel like, even despite not everything being connected, you want to feel like these characters live in the same universe. I think and it's, uh, you miss out on that because the directors for DC movies up until recently were all just going with their own kind of egos mm-hmm. on creating the characters. I, I think the I think the really astounding thing to me is that Warner Brothers as a studio has been in business for so long 
they should know how to make movies, and they are absolutely flat-footed mm-hmm. at making these movies. See, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I also I disagree with, with the point of that Marvel finds the right directors for their characters. They find directors who ain't never done nothing before, that they don't pay well enough, that they luck in and they're allowed to work on these properties with their hands being held by the studio because let's be keep the thousand. The directors don't even get to make their set pieces in their last in their like last act fights. The visual effects studio does that outside of any of the director's input. I think what happened is Warner Brothers was not adapt for the disruption of changing how people watch movies because of streaming and the growth of of the audience's need for more serialized storytelling. No one could predict, no one in the industry was ready for the fact that a studio would come along and make 22 movies tell a story. No one, not Universal, not MGM. They were just, everybody else was just making movies. A director has a vision, you adapt the character, you put it out, hopefully it succeeds off of the name of the director and the star. The Marvel method has now destroyed the idea of a star. The franchise is king. And the story is what leads. DC slash Warner Brothers can't compete in that way. Actually, if you look at it, no one can compete that way. Disney itself can't compete that way because Star Wars ain't hitting like it used to be. Mm. Well, but there's Mm -hmm. some reasons for that. And I think uh, what I said and what you said are not mutually exclusive. I think they actually go hand in hand with each other. It's a part of recognizing what a comic book universe is, and it was a smart way of going about it. But once the paradigm was set, DC still didn't pick up on doing it their way and figuring out how to make it work their way. When you switch over to Star Wars, you're talking about a whole different head. It's just like... Apple is not what it used to be now that Steve Jobs is gone. You switch the head, you switch the body. Like, everything mm-hmm. that happens changes from there on. Yep. So you you can't even compare, even though they're all under the Disney umbrella. Star Wars is, is almost headless. Um, no offense to Kathleen Kennedy. But mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't work cohesively. And when you're building a universe, you have to know that. If, if, if you don't know that, it's not going to work. Disney certainly knows that with this animated universe. It's all woven into each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I agree with you, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they're all part of the same thing. Well, we saw, uh, just to drag us back to Shazam briefly, <laughs> we saw some of that <laughs> in Shazam. I mean, the way that they kept hitting you over the head with the fact that you are in the DC universe. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about Batman and Superman and Aquaman and all this stuff, you they know? They got t-shirts I mean, on and posters in the room. Yeah, yeah they got yeah. memorabilia. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, these characters are running around here, you yeah, know? Merch. And, oh, well, maybe we'll even run into one of them, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's and like, Marvel you know. hasn't done that. That That's a, DC has, that's a smart creation on DC's yeah. part. Well, and that was one of the things that I always, I personally always love the most about comic books and Marvel comics in particular, how you could be reading one comic and they would allude to something that happened with some other character. You know, maybe you might even see, you know, if you happen to be in New York, oh, Spider-Man swings by, you know, or something like that. I mean, I just, I used to love that, you know. It's because Stan wants you to buy the other book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's very clever. It is. When you do that to to create interest in these other characters. Mm -hmm. You want to know what they're up to, fans? Pick up the latest (laughs) issue of Fantastic Four. Editor's note. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, you know. So, uh, but hopefully this this actually will lead to something better because one of the things that I always hate, and I swear, right hand to God, I really hate this, when uh, people start getting critical of one of these movies, and you see this forever on like Facebook or something, somebody says, can't you just be happy they're making these movies? Why do you have to be so critical about them? It's like, well, I don't want the movie to freaking suck, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I think the fans deserve a good movie. Yeah. I can't, no, I can't just be happy that they're making this movie with these characters. Yeah, you know, that's one. how you get Captain America wearing a motorcycle helmet, and the shield is the windscreen on a freaking motorcycle. Yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's what I, I felt really uh, about that when Wonder Woman came out. I felt like other women were telling me to shut up, get in the back seat, and enjoy the ride. 
I was very upset about that, especially because of the erasure of the black mm -hmm. female characters in Wonder Woman and the outright racism with the stereotypes of the three uh, secondary characters to um, uh, Steve Trevor. Mm -hmm. And I was very upset and bothered by that. And I kept being told I had to shut up because at least you got a woman. Yeah. Well, you know what? Screw that. Mm -hmm. I should be able to feel some kind of way about Philippus being erased from her own position. And, they, and they're giving it to um, Antiope. I should be able to feel some way yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, disabled people should be able to feel some way about Dr. Poison, as, as many disabled people did. So I have a, I'm, now I'm getting all emotional. I have no, a no, really big with problem with being told to shut up and enjoy yeah. the ride. Mm -hmm. You know, um, especially as a black woman who, mm -hmm. to the Wonder Woman movie, Patty Jenkins decided to erase. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I, I hear you. Well, and, and I, I felt like there was something similar, or excuse me, is something similar since this movie is... Uh, out currently, but with uh, Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, there were definitely, I mean, Captain was okay, you know, I mean, but it wasn't great, and there were all these people who were like, yeah, Captain Marvel, and, and you know, again, for these various empowering elements to the film, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a, there, there are definitely people out there who want to be like, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut yeah. up and just like it. Women you know? raw. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, there could have been some character development. Yeah. <laughs> Might Me have too. enjoyed but, that. Um, well, I think you're asking a bit much here. You know, you know? I, I, I want to give, give a shout out to the, the foster family in this because oh this, this really makes such, such a difference in this movie to me. Um, I loved Cooper Andrews as the dad. Um, I loved the kids. Um, you know, uh, all of them were, I thought were just terrific. And I think that there's there's a really good foundation there to build on for the next movie. If they if they make a Shazam 2, there's a good solid place to build from uh, created by this family. Because it's not only a superhero movie, it's a family movie. It's about family, like we said before. And um, met Cooper Andrews a couple years ago at... Uh, Awesome Con, I think it was. And just awesome dude. So I want to give a shout out to him. Fantastic work. Go Cooper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and there's definitely going to be a two. Because I tell you what, this movie is going to do really well. I think it'll do great. It's going to do really well. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. It's a lot. It's getting real crowded out here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but as with the superheroes themselves, there seems to be no end to this genre. You know, with comics, it was like horror comics and war comics and romance comics and detective comics and but the superheroes that fad never died out, and we're seeing the same sort of thing. Well, the only thing is, with, it's only got about two weeks to play until Endgame comes out. Oh gosh. So well, you know, and it's going to suck out a lot of oxygen out of the room. You know, it is. But I think this. I, we'll see. I think it's got some staying power. Anyway, look, that is just about all the time that we have for today's episode. Uh, I absolutely want to thank all of my panelists uh, for coming in and for this wonderful discussion about this movie. We'll have to see how well or how poorly uh, we do with all of this. Um, of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and if you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area, you can check us out tonight on Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Files Channel 38 at 8 p.m. We're on on Saturdays and on Sundays. And, of course, you can go to the website, fantasticforum.tv. And uh, for right now, it's um, also, hey, we're, we're doing some exciting things. We're a podcast. If you go to the Great Geek Refuge, you can get all the episodes uh, via that. And I need to start giving some of my panelists a whole lot of more props. I mean, I, I messed up today. We kind of ran out of time before everybody could uh, talk about who they are and what they do and where you can find them. So I guess you'll just have to go to, like, the Fantastic Forum Facebook page where I will give multiple props to all of our panelists. Anyway, look. Tune in again. Same bat time, same bat station. And uh, stick around for Ethio Diaspora coming up right after this.